from you too. So kids, I need you to talk back to me. I want you to shout out some of the chores that your parents give you to do. Give me some chores. The, wait, did you say baseboards? You have to clean the baseboards. That's a good one. I'm going to add that to my kids' chores list. Fold laundry. I'm not allowed to fold laundry in our house. What is yours? Sleeping? Sweeping. Sweeping. I do give my kids the chore of sleeping. I said, it's, it's not a choice. You have to go to sleep right now. Dad, I'm not tired. No, no. Daddy's tired. You go to bed. So you have, you have all of these chores, right? Adults, I'm not going to ask you for your chore list. We're going to get to you in a second. But kids especially, we, we give you as parents, kids, we give you a list of chores to do because could you imagine, parents, this is more for you to think through, could you imagine what it would happen if you just told your kids, do something, clean the house? First of all, they probably wouldn't move. And secondly, it wouldn't be done to what you would hope or what you would expect. No, not at all. For example, um, I have a list here on a, on a post-it note. This list was given to me by my wife, Becky, on Friday. Um, her and our three kids, they piled in the van, and once a year, they drive up to Indiana to go visit her parents for the week. And so they get to spend time with Grammy and Gramps, and they do all sorts of fun stuff, and I work. And... Uh, as they leave to go play on top of my work, I get this list. And men, what is this list called when your wife leaves it with you? The honey to-do list. And there's nothing on here. She was very nice. There is nothing on here that's crazy. I mean, just clean the floors, watch cats. Now, let me tell you something about this cats real quick. Um, she signed up to watch somebody else's cats and then left. So now I'm watching the cats because we don't have cats. <laughs> I'm not a cat guy, so some of you may need to find another church if you're a cat person. But anyway, clean out the fridge, vacuum me upstairs. I mean, it's not a crazy list, but it is a list. What she would say, man, it would really be helpful if you could do just a few of these small things while we're gone. That would be, be helpful. And a lot of our lives are living out of lists. Whether you are a kid, whether you are a student, or you are an adult, in any environment and context, we do live out of some kind of a list. If that's the a right list, if that's a good list, that's not a bad thing. Because think about what a list does. It, it sets the expectations, right? It sets the playing field at a, at a place where everybody is playing on the same field. We're all on the same page. It, it's, not, it's not, well, I thought this, or I, I thought you meant that, or I felt like doing this. It's like, no, here's the list. This is what I was expecting. It levels the playing field. It also serves as a great reminder. If my wife, Becky, had given me this list just audibly, by today, I would have forgotten it already. And I didn't want to text her because then that would have sounded like I wasn't listening to her. So the list helps us even remember. Because even with great intentions, we might have been told what to do, but now we can't remember. So living out of a list really does help us be reminded of it. It also keeps us on track, right? It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to, to go work on other things. I don't know what you use in your work environment. I use Evernote and Wonderlist like it is my job because I have... These things that have to get done, and it's easy to get sidetracked with other things. And I go back to the list. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be working on. Living out of a list is not necessarily a bad thing. It keeps us on track. It levels the playing field. It has an expectation set. It gives a clear picture of, of what you're hoping to accomplish. Lists are not always a bad thing. Now, in relationships, though, lists play a different role. In our relationship with God, understand, and please don't mishear me, our relationship with God is not based on any list. It is not... God's saying, I love you if you do the list. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. No, we, we say, God, I, I want a relationship with you. And, and he has been waiting for those words from us. He desires a relationship with us. And he loves us. We're saved by grace, not by the list or anything that we do. But once we come into a relationship with him, 
Once that happens, then the list is given. And we get all sorts of lists throughout God's word. And those lists, again, do not save us. It's not contingent on, the love that he has for us is not contingent on the list, but it serves as a guide. So maybe we think of these lists not such as like a checklist, in order for God to love me, I need to do all of these things. No, it's God loves me and he desires the best for me. So he's given me almost these checkpoints in a list to help guide us, to help, help us move in the direction that he would have us. If I were to say, give me a list out of the Bible, because like I said, the Bible has a lot of lists. What's the first list that comes to mind in the Bible? Ten commandments. Of course, it's nothing but ten items on a list that says, do this, don't do this, remember this. It's a list that, again, is not, our love is not based on it, but it does help guide us. It serves as checkpoints. So as we go through this series, we're looking at Proverbs, and hopefully you've been doing your own study on this. I want to show you one of my aha moments that is a list out of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, I'll put them on the screens as well for you. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, we get a list, and then I'm going to show you another list that comes a little bit later. So here's the list. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16 says, There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things that he detests. Now, right there, the, the, the issue we're getting ready to walk into here is, okay, God's, God's kind of serious. <laughs> there are six things that he hates. There are seven that he just detests. He loathes. He doesn't want to have anything to do with them. So he's setting the bar of, hey, what we're about to talk about as far as the list go, hey, these are serious to God. And here's the list. And you need to help remember these because we're going to write them down in just a second and make our own list. So verse 17, here's the seven things. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a what? In a family. All right, now, I'll let you cheat. I'm going to keep those verses back up there, but we need to make this list. We're going to write out all seven. What was the first one? Haughty eyes. What was the second one? Lying tongue. Good job. Next. Yep, kill the innocent. Next. You don't sound too sure on that one. Yes, a heart that plots evil. Next one. Yep, feet that race to do wrong. Next. False witness. What's the last one? Those that sow discord, and what was that again? Where? In a family. Now, can we all agree, just based off of the first verse, verse 16, it says, here's seven things that God detests. Can we call this the don't do list? Can we all agree on these are the things that God is saying, don't do these? Agreed? Okay. So this is our don't do list. So in Proverbs, and Proverbs is all based around one thing. It's one word, starts with a W, and it is? Wisdom, great. So in Proverbs, we're getting the wisdom of what not to do. Remember, there's, there's a growing period of wisdom where you gain the knowledge, the facts of it. You begin to get meaning and understanding, and then it leads to application of wisdom. So the application here is very simple. The wisdom is don't do this thing, these things. If these are seven things that God hates and detests and loathes and are saying these are not of me, don't do them, then the wise thing to do is 
don't do them. You're right. Good. Now, let me go through these. I don't want to assume we all know what they are, but don't worry. I'm not, a lot of these are pretty self-explanatory, so I'm not going to preach 30 minutes on just all of these. But haughty eyes, that means arrogance. And specifically, in a poetic sense, uses the term eyes because you can tell somebody as far as their, their arrogance, what they think about themselves really by those looks of, I'm better than everybody else. That's what this is saying. Hadi eyes says, I think of myself above everybody else. The way I look at other people, I see them lower. The way that I see myself, I see them higher. That's what haughty eyes mean. A lying tongue. Now, I don't necessarily need to tell you what that means, but it's interesting how these two go together. If you have an inflated view of yourself, at some point, you're gonna have to start lying because none of us are that good. <laughs> so we have to start telling lies that build ourselves up, tell lies that, that misdirect the truth, lies that put other people down so we can be lifted up. Lying tongue, killing the innocent. Again, we, we get that one. Don't do that. Plots evil, a heart that plots evil. This doesn't speak to the mistake. This doesn't speak to the sin that we struggle with. It is an intentional heart condition that says, I'm going to do what's wrong. I'm gonna do. Evil is the opposite of what's godly. So I'm gonna do what's against God. I'm gonna go against what God says intentionally. Does that make sense? It's not a mistake. It's I'm intentionally plotting to do something that's against God. Feet that race to do wrong, that speaks to our first response or our first reaction. When you're faced with conflict, when you're in a disagreement with somebody, when you name the situation or the environment, do you race to do what's right or do you race to do what's wrong? Are you quick to judge? Are you quick to speak out? Are you quick to be angry? That's racing to do wrong. False witness, different than the lying tongue. What's a witness? Somebody who sees what? Something, anything. That's a witness, right? Somebody that sees something and then tells somebody else about it. A false witness is somebody that sees the truth, but then tells a different story. The lying tongue, again, is, all, is, is more so aimed at lying to yourself or lying about yourself. The false witness is focusing on lying about who? Other people, someone else. A false witness says, yeah, I saw that or I saw them, but I'm gonna say something totally different, usually to discredit somebody else. Lastly, sowing discord. Somebody that intentionally, again, this does not speak to the conflict in a family. Kids, are you still awake in here? So far, so good? Have you ever fought with your parents or a sibling? Let me talk about lying tongue one more time. <laughs> have you ever had conflict with your family? Yes, parents, have you had conflict in your family? Yeah, so it's always louder when I ask the parents. Yes, of course, this does not speak to, to conflict in family. This speaks to an individual that goes out of their way to disrupt the family. Speaks to the person that, that intentionally and with, with that motivation of pulling the family apart separating people in the family, that's sowing discord in the family. It's the opposite of harmony. Of building harmony, you're sowing discord. Now, out of all of these, right, a list of seven, these made the top seven things God hates. Out of everything you could come up with, out of all the lists that we get in Scripture, these made the top seven. So I would hope you would begin to ask the question, as I did, why did these make that list? Why did these make the top seven for what God hates? And as I started to ask the question, I want you to pay attention to, to what happens when each of these are present in an individual or in a relationship. Can you have a healthy relationship if these are present? No. In fact, you cannot have a healthy relationship if any one of these is present. Understand, the things that God hates that he's listed here, 
They are things that fracture and then begin to break apart relationships. God is relational. He desires a relationship with us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could have a relationship with him. He desires to know us and to have a relationship with us. And these are the things that break relationships apart between us and God, but also us and others, us and the other people around us. You cannot have a healthy, growing, thriving, strong relationship if any of these are present in the person or in the relationship at all. And so here in the book of wisdom, Proverbs says, if you want to have a healthy, growing, strong relationship, don't do these. See, wisdom is working to strengthen relationships because God cares about our relationships, our relationship with him and the relationships of the people he's put around us. He cares deeply for them. And these made the top seven because he knows if these are present, those relationships can't continue to grow. No, they will fall apart. They will fracture. They will break. They will eventually just be completely destroyed. So these made the top seven because God cares about relationships and these break apart relationships. Now, let me give you another list. And this list is not in the Old Testament. It's not in Proverbs. But in fact, it's what Jesus gave us. Jesus in, in Matthew chapter five, if you have your Bible, you can flip there, but I'll put them on the screens as well for you real quick. But it's the beginning of his ministry. And he begins to give us a list as well, but it's kind of the, the opposite. If this is the don't do list, this is the, the to do list. Now, Jesus doesn't say, hey, back in Proverbs, this was said, so here's the other side to it. He doesn't make that connection specifically in scripture, but I want us to go through these and I want you to see how you have the don't version, but then you have the do version and how they are very similar in what it means in our relationships with God, but also in with others. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse three, these might be known if you grew up in church as the Beatitudes. There's a list of them. Here we go, verse three. Jesus says this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And then he uses verse 10 and 11 to basically tie in one idea. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He gives a list. Here's what breaks apart relationships. Here's what's not to do. And then Jesus says, blessed are the people who, and then you fill in the blank. So once again, I'm gonna put the scriptures up. You're allowed to cheat. Let's make the list, the list that Jesus gave us. The first one, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Good, next one. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the, the other M word, meek. Technically, there's one more coming up. Meek. Then blessed are those who, this one's a little harder, isn't it? Hunger, good. Hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Righteousness. For what's right. Good. Next. Blessed are the, the other M word is merciful. Put mercy. They will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Good. Blessed are the peace, and we did it say peaceful or peacemaker? Peacemaker, there's a big difference, so we'll explain it. 
And what was the last one? Took two verses to cover this one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. I'm not going to write it down because I want you to see something big picture here in just a second. Let me explain these for you real quick. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to be humble, which sounds very different than what it means to have haughty eyes and to have a, a large inflated ego and arrogance about you. No, poor in spirit isn't saying I am nothing. It's just saying I'm putting other people first. It's an act of humility. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I get asked about this one a lot. Blessed are those who mourn. So Jesus wants me to walk around crying, sad, and depressed, and I'll be blessed some way. No, no, no. Very de depressed and mourn are very, very different. What this is saying is I am aware of my own brokenness, and I mourn because of it. I'm aware of the sin in my life and the destruction that sin has on us, so I mourn for it. I'm aware of the needs that we have in this world, and it breaks my heart, and I mourn over it. I'm aware of my need for a savior. I'm aware of my faults. I'm aware of my struggles, and I mourn for it. I'm aware that I need. That's what this means. It's an idea of awareness. It's an idea of awareness. Versus over here, we have a lying tongue that just continues to lie to myself. I continue to lie about the people around me so that I have an inflated ego. Very, very different to the one Jesus would say is, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are aware of the needs that they have. Blessed are the meek. Kids, do me a favor. Where are my kids at again? Stop coloring for a second, and here we go. All right, have you ever seen somebody ride a horse, right? Do this with me. Pretend you're gonna ride a horse, all right? My kids do this around the house, and usually I'm the horse. So get your, get your reins. Kids, get your reins. You got your, hold your reins up, kids. You got your reins. Now, if you wanna turn to the right, what do you do? Do you pull on the right? And the horse goes to the right. If you want to go to the left, what do you do, kids? You pull it to the left, right. The concept of meek is that exact same thing. It's the idea of breaking in a horse so that you can pull it and, and tame it and tell it to go which way to go. So for us, Jesus is saying, blessed is though, blessed is the person who's meek, who has allowed God to control their life. Blessed is the person who has submitted under God's authority. Blessed is the person who is letting God navigate their life. Versus, over here, don't kill the innocent. Now, what you see between meek and killing the innocent comes down to control, self-control. What this is, is the epitome of no self-control. I act impulsively. I do exactly what I want to do. I don't care about anybody else. I act immediately and with no one else in mind. That's the root of kill. That's the root of murder. On this side, you have, I'm going to allow God to control my life. And it's not about what I want or desire. I'm going to let God control it. Blessed is the meek. Hunger and thirst for righteousness doesn't mean we always do what's right, but it's a desire to do what's right. I hunger and thirst for righteousness versus I have a heart that plots evil. Again, we're not talking about the mistakes. It's the intent. My intent is evil or my intent is righteousness. And no, we don't do it perfectly. But Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like. It's a desire. It's a condition of the heart. Mercy. Mercy is hardest as a first response. Would you agree? Over time, you, you can, okay, I'll start extending some mercy, but I want to be mad first. <laughs> I want to be angry first. I want to judge first. That's what it speaks to over here. Racing to do what's wrong is that first reaction that we act on. Over here, Jesus is saying, no, let it be mercy first. Blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they will also receive mercy. Pure in heart does not mean perfect in heart. Pure in heart really means authentic, genuine, sincere even, versus, look at this one, false witness. There's nothing genuine or authentic about it. 
especially when dealing with other people. Now, Jesus is saying, no, the, the other side of this is you have a heart that's authentic. And yes, we are flawed. We've all made mistakes and we will continue to make mistakes and we all have past and baggage. But I, again, I'm aware of it, but I'm pure in heart. I, I'm authentic about it. And I know that Jesus has taken care of me and that's what pure in heart means. Peacemaker, like I said, very different than peaceful. Peacemaker goes out of their way to do whatever they can to make peace. Now, please know that's not always gonna be be applicable. In other words, we can't always make somebody have peace. But the point is to go out of our way and do everything we possibly can to make peace versus sowing discord. Are we making harmony or are we causing the lack of harmony? See how these lists are, are, are very, very similar in regards to the, the heart, but obviously they're played out extremely differently in a way of what not to do. Here's what it looks like to, to have a broken relationship as these potentially are involved with them. But Here's, here's the list that allows us to have a healthy relationship with God, but also with others. Now, the one we didn't write up here was what? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Persecuted is someone, and it said it here in verse 11. Let me read it again. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. In verse 10, the end of it said, uh, who are persecuted because of righteousness, doing what's right. In other words, blessed are the persecuted really sums all of them up saying the person who is persecuted or insulted because of doing what's right, that's all of these, blesses that person. It's a no matter what kind of a love. Saying, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you no matter what. I'm gonna live my life to the best of my ability for you no matter what, no matter what other people say. Blessed are the persecuted. Now, we have two very different lists, but they're both saying the same thing. Healthy relationships cannot have that, and they must have this. So what I would tell us to do, again, wisdom out of Proverbs is all about the application. It's not just the knowledge of it, so having these lists don't do any good. If I have my wife's honey to-do list and she comes home this next Friday and I've not done anything, would that be wise, men? No, the women said no. Men, the answer is no, that would not have been wise. <laughs> it most certainly would not have been wise. In order to gain wisdom, I must do what it says. Now remember, our relationship with God is not, on, is not contingent on doing these or not doing these. He loves us. But he's saying if you want healthy relationships, if you want to grow, follow the list. Make them a checkpoint. Be, let them be a reminder for us. So it's not a matter of love. It's a matter of obedience and saying, okay, God, I trust you. There's meek. And I'm aware of how messed up I am on my own, so I'm going to let you control things. I'm going to follow your List, not because you love me more because of it, not because you threaten to not love me. That's not the case. It's because I trust you. So here's what I would suggest to turn this into wisdom. Right now, we just have facts and some meaning. To turn this into wisdom, you need to hold up a relationship to both of these lists. If you're married, as, a spouse, as your spouses, hold up your relationship, your marriage relationship, and say, do we have any of these in our relationship? And if the answer is yes, then you know where to work on it. And instead of pointing fingers and blaming, just say, that's an area we need to work on. We've got to fix that. And we've got to move it from here to there because that's what it looks like to have it. Your relationship with your kids, hold those relationships up and say, how are we doing? Make it a checklist. How are we in our relationship with our kids? Kids to even parents. And as that relationship, as you get older, that relationship changes. It's still a health, it needs to still be a healthy relationship. Hold up your your, your relationship with your parents to the list and say, where are we at with this? 
with your work, with your work environments, in your community, you name it, we are full of relationships. The question is, are they healthy? You cannot have a growing and healthy and thriving relationship if any of these are present. So if we're aware of it, if we can recognize it and then put it into application and becomes wisdom, then we can start moving this direction. But it doesn't happen overnight, does it? No, you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit moves in and then all of a sudden it's, you go to sleep with all of this and you wake up with that. I'm telling you, that's not the way it works. What does happen is Jesus moves into our life when we, we say, Jesus, I, I recognize my need for you and I want you to move in. And he says yes, and his spirit moves in and begins to push these out. Anything that's not of him, he begins to push out so that we become more like him, which is more of that list. But it's not just through his spirit. He uses other people to do this as well. He uses the people around us to walk us from here all the way to here. That's called life change. That's each of our stories of life changes, moving from the don't do list to the do list after we've received Christ in our life. It's growth. And it's, it's, it's difficult because it requires discipline. It requires people telling you things you don't necessarily want to hear, and it requires you to listen to them. That's wisdom. So if you go back to Proverbs chapter 6, that's where we got the list of seven things that God hates. If you go back to that, the very next verse. So scripture goes through, gives us the last one, that God hates the, those that sow discord in the family. The very next verse, I want you to see this because it's a theme throughout Proverbs. And I want you to see how it ties in here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, very next verse after we read the list, says this, my son, obey your father's, and what's this word? Commands. My son, obey your father's commands, and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. Right there, Wisdom is saying, don't forget to listen to the people that are trying to get you from there to there, from this list to that list. We have to be listening for it. And here, scripture is saying, listen to the godly wisdom of your parents. Doesn't just speak to everything that they say, but kids, you need to listen to your parents. Honor your parents. That's another list. But it says, there, you can say amen to that one. Parents, do I need to say it one more time? You want to wake your kids up? So I'm gonna, listen to your mom and dad. <laughs> Look at this, if, if, as a, if as a kid, if as a kid, I don't know this, I don't know what I'm aiming for. I, if I don't have the list, if no one's told it to me, then how am I to know what to do, right? That's the job, but it's two-sided here. Kids, you have to listen to your parents. You have to not just hear them. Yeah, 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 I heard you. You need to listen because what they are doing, what your mom and dad are doing and the people in your life, they're trying to make you aware of these lists and help move you in that direction, See, it's the responsibility of the child, of the kid, to listen to the godly wisdom of their parents. Man, I wish there was a formula where we could make our kids do what's right. Man, I wish that was the case. <laughs> but it's not. It's up to our kids to listen to the wisdom. Now, let me flip that around, though. Parents, it is up to us as parents to tell them the list. It's, us to, it's up to us to tell them what God's word says, and, and that he desires a relationship with it. It's the responsibility of a parent to teach and instruct and to pass on that wisdom to their children. Again, if your kids don't know what's wrong and what's right, if they don't know what to stay away from and what to run towards, how are they to know? Who's gonna tell them? Where are they getting their list from? If it's not from God, man, that, that spells disaster down the road. 
Even if your kids don't want to hear it, it's your job, parents. It's my job as a parent to tell our kids what's wrong and what's right and to show them and tell them about the love of Jesus. Here's why that's important. Here's why that's important. This side of the room over here, there are buckets on the end of the row. And if there's a row that's not getting it, I need you to pass out what's in there. Let me show you how this is gonna work. So all the way down, all the way up, there's buckets on the end. They've, they've got some things in there. Kids, you're gonna love this, by the way. I just discovered these about a week ago. So pass them out. Um, I don't have a bucket for every row. So as it comes down, make sure you're able to get something out of the bucket. Everybody needs at least one. If I've got extras, you can have more later. But pass them all the way down, all the way down. Make sure you grab Make sure you grab one. Adults and kids need to do this. Adults, don't be the, I'm too cool to do this thing for Brian. Be a good example for the next generation. Now, I did have to tell some adults last service how to actually do this. So there's a rubber band. You put it on your finger like so. So make sure you've got one. Make sure you've got one. We'll get it all the way down, all the way down. You, are you getting them passed in the back? I can't see you on the back. They're getting all the way down. Parents, you're going to love me for this later. At least I didn't give them a fidget spinner. You're welcome. You. You're welcome. <laughs> you would have booed me off stage if I handed out fidget spinners. All the way down. In the back on this side, you guys getting them? Got them? Flash once if you have one. Flash twice if you don't. Nah. Got it? All right, now do me a favor. Has everybody got one for the most part? All right, all right, turn, all the, turn them all off, turn them all off for a second. And John, who's running my lights, John, will you kill all the lights for me? Now you know why our setup team gets here so early to put lights in this place. So keep them off, though, keep them off, keep them off. Now here's, here's what this is an image of. This is what it looks like for somebody to walk around in this world with no wisdom. It's very dark and it's just a matter of guessing where to go. You stumble a lot, you trip a lot, you make a lot of bad decisions because you don't have the wisdom you need to navigate through this life, through this world. And as I was studying this passage, here comes my aha moment. The very next verse, after we're told, parents, you need to tell your kids this, kids, you basically need to listen to this because it's wisdom. Verse 23 says this, for their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline, listen, is the way to life. Wisdom gives light, and it's the way to life. Now go ahead and turn on your little finger flashlights. Oh, these are cool, I know, right? Now, here's what's cool about these, is, is they light up, and they're pretty bright, but it doesn't totally illuminate the entire room. So parents, take the burden off of you. Your job is not to just illuminate your child's mind, where they understand everything. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> what we can do is pass on enough wisdom where they can see their next step. We could all navigate around this room a lot better now. We'll still probably trip and bump into things, but at least I can see where I'm at. I see my feet and I can see a little bit ahead of me. That's what wisdom does. So kids, when you listen to your parents, as scripture says, it's giving you this light in a very dark world. Instead of guessing, you can now navigate using the light of wisdom. Parents, don't keep this from your kids. Yes, passing, on, passing out wisdom to them and passing it on is very difficult. It requires a whole lot of effort and work, but it's worth it because we don't want our kids in the next generation walking around stumbling in a dark 
world. John, you can turn the lights back on if you want. Kids, you can keep playing with your flashlights. That's fine. My hope and my prayer is that we would continue to care enough about the next generation, not just our own kids, but care enough about the next generation, the future leaders of the church and our world, to pass on wisdom, to make sure that they know what God's word says on, hey, God loves you no matter what, and he desires a relationship with you, and you're saved by grace, and nothing that you could ever do to deserve or earn it, he loves you. But as soon as we say yes to that, he says, great, now let me take control. Let me walk you through this life. Here's what we don't do. Here's what we do. And that doesn't lead to the perfect life, but it does keep us stumbling in the right direction. Parents, may we continue to give these lists to our kids. May we continue to teach them God's word over and over and over again. And no, it's not up to us if they actually follow it. It's up to us to pass it on. But to those that are the next generation in here, the future truly is yours. And I would pray and desire and hope that you would take the wisdom, not just from your parents and your peers and those around you, but most importantly from God. And you would recognize that we don't do this perfectly, but we can try. And it leads us to a place where we are in a healthy relationship with God as well as others. Let me pray for you and your families. Father God, thank you so much for what you do for us, what you have done for us, how you have modeled and shown wisdom to us. And God, I would pray that we would become more and more aware of how you're working in each of our individual lives, that you would point out the areas that we need to adjust and work on, not because it makes you love us any more or any less, but because you desire the best for us. So God, may we not do the list out of obligation or follow these lists out of fear, but may we do it out of love. That because we love you, we desire to follow you, and this is where you lead us. So may we continue to dive deeper into our relationship with you. May we continue. May we continue to set our hearts to what you say in your word. Thank you so much for the individuals, the families, the kids, the students, the next generation represented here. May you continue to teach us, and may we continue through your spirit to turn it into wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.